Hey folks, this is Anatoly, and you're listening to the Solana Podcast. And today I have Aaron Henshaw with me, who's a co-founder of Bison Trails. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, likewise. Awesome, awesome to, to hang out with you again. Um, do you want to tell folks a bit about what Bison Trails is and kind of how you got into it? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm Aaron. Uh, I'm the CTO and co-founder of Bison Trails. Um, I think uh, the story is that I found my way, my co-founder and I both found our way into crypto um, just because it seemed kind of cool and we couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, at some point, we like were trying not to be, the, you know, because it has a media image that's not super positive. And before you dive in, you're like, I don't want to be those people. And but it's it actually is really cool. And obviously, I'm, I'm here. Um, and so we just couldn't put it down. And, uh, you know, I've worked with my co-founder, Joe, for a long time. We've started some companies before and we were post acquisition um, finishing up a different project and in between things. And uh, we just we we started with like DEXs and playing around with front running stuff, which is less of a problem for you. And, um, you know, it turned into like we realized we'd do nothing about uh, infrastructure. And so we got really into proof of work mining. We built a medium sized, like four or five megawatt proof of work mine in um, Pacific Northwest. And that's a really slow process. And then, you know, we're actually software engineers and we've built a lot of our own companies. And in the meantime, we started playing with the test nets of Cosmos and um, Tezos and LivePeer and just kind of got really hooked. And it, this snowball effect happened. And now Bison Trails is a platform for, um, running blockchain infrastructure for both uh, participation, so creating creating blocks, signing them, verifying them, and querying transactions, so like geth nodes or RPC nodes for various protocols. And we support like upwards 25, 30 protocols right now. That's cool. That's, uh, that's a ton of work. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's interesting you guys started. You guys, the first thing you guys did was playing around with DEXs. Yeah, we were doing uh, centralized exchange and decentralized exchange, like arbitrage bots. Um, the, the real thing is that we just didn't want a, a project that we felt like we would do long term, like we wanted to just tinker. And I think there was at the time there was no like high frequency traders. There was no people who were professionals or way less. And so I'm not a HFT like quant in any capacity, but. I could see that the numbers were like different and that there was an arbitrage opportunity and you could just close it. Um, and eventually people way better at it, close those gaps. And so that's not available anymore, but it was fun and it was interesting. It was a way to get in to crypto without having to really know what was going on. Cause it was just like money and value. And then we started to have assets and then we'd read about them and be like, Oh, what is Decred? Okay, cool. That's pretty interesting. And then you, know, you read a couple of white papers and then, you know, at some point, you know, you're hooked and you're all the way down. Yeah. What, what did I just art myself into? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's funny. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Like I, I had like a Tarun on my, on this podcast, like a couple of weeks ago and we talked about like, minor extracted value as a form of arbitrage for DEXs. So it's funny that you guys started from DEXs and now you're running effectively mining like block producers. 
Yes. And what does that mean is a good, you know, minor extractable value is like a hot topic these days. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I mean, like, I honestly think that like the space survives if minor extractable value becomes like a commercial activity that is like open to everybody. Like if we can get like a people, people to understand that, like, being a block producer's value and I'm going to like pay for that privilege and then pay you guys, right? Hey, I want to be a block producer and run my algos. Then all of a sudden it's like open to everybody and free, like effectively free entry, right? Censorship resistant. Yeah. Do you think you basically sell the like mempool restructuring or the, the, the ordering as a service? Yeah, I mean, I like especially from like the Solana perspective, like owning stake gives you slots, right? And if you have slots, you get to be the block producer, and therefore you get to pick, you get to do your arbitrage. And while people think it's like, oh, we get to prevent it, I'm more of like, how do we make it a market so everybody competes for it? Because <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, there's no way to prevent it. It's gonna happen. It. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna happen. It's happening. I mean, like, right. there's that recent article about like how ethereum is a dark forest it was very i mean we've seen it like a million times like when we were doing the merkel mine for live peer like someone just started front running it and taking everybody's live peer and there's these like <laughs> general and so we we actually like i don't think the bots were as sophisticated then we cloned the live peer merkel mine smart contract and put it at a different address and then we could mine on that but yeah That's i mean that's funny yeah. but it's funny that like um man the space uh i heard like folks say that this is like the biggest bug bounty in the world like basically like all of crypto is just a, a massive bug bounty and there's like honey pots everywhere <laughs> like absolutely everywhere um no matter who's working on what like there's some something to extract if you can figure it out i have seen like the space despite all that like be super friendly like at least like all the people that i meet so far <laughs> yeah I, I would say that's true i i don't know how much you are in the like proof of work world um but it's a little bit different like the the proof of stake world feels very like open and friendly and sort of like collaborative and i don't know if it's just because it's a different thing or the i believe it's like maybe the incentive alignment's different but the proof of work, like Bitcoin mining in particular, is a weird space, like information. It's not that people are mean, it's just that they're a little bit less collaborative feeling. Uh, so it wasn't, when we were in it, I didn't like love that part of it. It's very competitive and you know, the margins are super thin. It's been around for a long time. Like if you have a build or you have like some silicon that's like small enough or fast enough that like you're printed, you know, there's all these opportunities for that and people aren't sharing their, their, uh, yeah, their alphas, I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess that's true about like the minor, like the, uh, the extractable value, right? Like looking for that state arbitrage, no one's going to want to share that because that's free money. No. And I, I wonder like who's running those generalized, uh, <laughs> thoughts, like, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's not easy either to do, right? Because you have to figure out what the value is going to be to decide to front run it and then front run it. And like, you have to execute it. It's it's cool. It's very, very cool. But my, my guess is that like out of our all our friends that we know, there's a set that 
understand the problem and talk about it right openly and then there's a set that understand the problem and don't talk about it <laughs> yeah so who are <laughs> and the all the people that we know in the space it's not that big of a number right it's like a hundred yep. people I, I bet you if, if you like really tried you could figure out who's doing it <laughs> yeah that's probably right and it's them and like maybe some of the big uh mining pools you think the pools have gotten sophisticated enough to do arbs on the like ethereum i mean some of the bigger older proof of work teams i feel like they you know like um, who's the team that was in uh, China that built one of the big ones? They wound up building um, a proof of work token out there. Like they're they they definitely understand that stuff really really deeply, and I think they potentially have more experience than anybody else in the space too. If they've been running Bitcoin mining pools for ten years, like who understands and has been working on it that long? Yeah. That's true. I don't know for sure. I'm like completely speculating, but yeah, it could yeah. be one of this group of handful of people, or it could be some of these like exchanges looking for, or not like the the mining pools looking for a little bit more uh, opportunities. So like I I still like I think the stuff people are scared of, but I think what they're missing is that it's actually adding to the security of the network. Like these folks are like securing the network, right? They're running the nodes. And then they're also trying to make money. And how they're making money doesn't matter, right? Like, because they're not, like, stealing it, right? They're just eliminating, like, arbitrage, right? Which exactly. is, yeah. I mean, that's all, like, I had a friend in college who got into, like, high-frequency trading, and he put his computers closest to the New York Stock Exchange, and he made more money than other people, you know? Like, that's that's not illegal. It's just like you're exploiting. You're you're making the system more efficient. I also I believe the same thing. Yeah, especially in the space because you can take your profit and then put it into like more ASICs, right? More like electricity for proof of work or lower latency for proof of stake. Yeah, more engineers for better algorithms, like whatever it is. Um, and you know, the more people that are hitting it, the more proof that it is that it is secure and that it's actually going to hold up. For the long term, you know, the space wouldn't be worth anything if there wasn't any value and people weren't trying to hack it. Yeah. Yeah, that is like, yeah, if we can build a systems that can survive all these people trying to poke it. Um, this is like an anti-fragility argument too. like kind of what we're working on isn't so much like I, I, don't, I don't really care so much about the algorithm, whether it's proof of work or proof of stake. What's important is like, can you make this thing like anti-fragile from even like a community standpoint mm -hmm. yeah i do think it's interesting that like potentially i guess it would what do you think about um it is ultimately like social consensus that decides what the chain is um and so if there was any major problem like in theory people would just fork well just so you okay think okay it. so you think like what would happen if there was like a hundred block rollback in Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> right, like the thing that, right, like the thing that's never supposed to happen, like, what do you think, like, maybe a hundred block, I feel like some people might switch, like, most people switch forks, but what if it was like a thousand blocks? 
Like something yeah. that is like, holy fuck, where like, did this come like, from? <laughs> feels, feels impossible, but some, some yeah. how it is, of course, possible. I don't know. That would be very scandalous. I wonder how, what would happen. It, it would cause a fight, probably, and there would be two. Like, you know, yeah. like you've, Ethereum, Ethereum Classic, like that happened. Um, so at some point, right, like there's some amount of blocks that rolled back that it would split the network. I don't know. Maybe if it was malicious and it all reorged back to the longest chain, then it, everyone would consent back to that one. You know, because unless somebody is infinitely going to be maintaining, which everyone wins, right, in the end, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess the miners and the current fork would fight against it. That would be, like, what would happen, right? It's like there'd be two forks. Exchanges would stop taking deposits and withdrawals, right? And then all the and then miners. Have, yeah, and wherever the miners can, can see it to, like, that's what would probably win. But they would actively have to go against the heaviest fork rule, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mean, like, I, I think the, the stuff is, like, that this is, like, the Ouroboros, right? Like, we have, like, this yeah. algorithm that makes it super easy for us to come to agreement, like, by default. But then if that, if that thing breaks, then we can kind of, like, all fight to go back to the steady state. Like we all want that agreement to be like final. <laughs> yeah. But there's a, you know, there's that, like there's a Vitalik post that says that devolving into chaos is recent. Maybe is better than losing to an attacker. Right. And that almost disincentivized the attack because like maybe the miners would fight back and try to make a different chain, the longest chain. And then, Yeah. You're not, you're breaking the rule, but you're kind of not breaking the rule because you're still using consensus to socially yeah. pick something. And just the fact that that could happen probably makes it like insane to think about actually spending the money that would be required to attack. Do you think that's true about proof of stake networks? <sighs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm building one and I don't know. Like, this is like the hardest question, right? <laughs> I think. It's all based on the fact that people are going to socially consent to something anyways. It's it's still like all rooted in like, if we believe that this is the correct Solana chain, then that's what we're going to use. And we get finality by picking checkpoints kind of. So like, I guess it's, I don't know. I feel like the, the Taroons of the world would like make the argument that, that all these things can be attacked through derivatives yeah. and if you create all those derivatives <laughs> or synthetics that like it's but all going to potentially hard. fall apart um <laughs> but you know i know that we don't have all those complexities yet in the market but there are proof of stake systems now that have been around for a reasonable amount of time that haven't had these forking problems um and it is really you know comforting on cosmos to know that like you get that finality and you're like, cool, like, if this is in there, it's in there. Like, we've all signed these blocks. Um, so, I don't know. In my, like, you know, how, how deep I can go into these topics is, like, I, I think it's, in my opinion, it's cleaner a little bit. But I know it just requires the, the social agreement no matter what. Do you think... I'm, I'm like, trying to, you know, I, I came from this, like, a very engineering angle, and I like starting to question if that is even like the right approach. Like, what do you mean? 
like whether well like i mean i think the tech is necessary to be there but like if you have social consensus you can almost have like like do you really need slashing if you have social consensus so this is like my recent i'm i don't know like to me if if you listen to um the avalanche guys they'd say like it's uh slashing is stupid um you know i know that slashing disincentivizes the bad behavior but if something really bad happens like a slash or not like then the community is just going to come and decide like that's not cool so we're going this way on the, at the same time like slashing is really good because it does encourage people to create better setups i do think like at least that's true like we have to be more careful and people who are running the infrastructure do have to have their own types of if they want to have failovers they need types of consensus like you can't just have keys online you need to protect your keys because if other people get them which would you know there's long range attacks there's like the immediacy like just trying to take the network down attacks i think slashing can be helpful to just keep the thing going and prevent disasters maybe um but in the event of a disaster it probably doesn't matter whether you have slashing or not so i've had this uh, like kind of recent eureka moment like i realized that like when i was at qualcomm we were trying to like sign code like just deploy sign code and like it was an enormous pain and expense to sign stuff like we could do like one signature every six months or something absurd <laughs> <laughs> and like right like and then bitcoin happened and like all these organizations popped out of nowhere that know how to sign things a million times per day without any problems really right yep. like they figured out how to like not leak nonsense and all this other stuff and like keep those keys secure in hardware and like cryptography has gotten way better. Um, and I think that part like wouldn't have happened if Bitcoin didn't have this like objective proof of work thing. But now that like people have figured out how to sign things, we can now use these subjective things where the network that I care about is the one that like Coinbase, Binance, FTX, all the big financial dogs that know how to sign stuff are on. Because if I don't care about the, the rest of it, like if I know I'm in the same network as those guys, then I know what I have is money. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. you're not going to go to some other chain that has no liquidity because you're wasting your time. So my, my theory is that like Bitcoin created its own like demise <laughs> <laughs> like it, it basically like if, if it wasn't for bitcoin we would still be stuck in this world where you have to like ask verisign for a certificate <laughs> to go sign something right like that was just worse yeah <laughs> right and now like everybody can sign a million things per second right like it's just like super easy but how does that get rid of, or how does that make the demise of Bitcoin? Well, now we have like, there's actually solutions to the M general's problem. If you have identity and cryptography and like a censorship resistant messaging layer, the internet is a messaging layer, right? Cryptography is what like we figured out because of Bitcoin and identity is the financial institutions that are well known. like. Coinbase, Binance, like 
it doesn't even matter what stakes they have, what weights they have on these things, right? Like none of that shit matters, just kind of implementation detail. But like imagine, right, those things boot up and they say, this is Cosmos, right? That is Cosmos, right? By definition, right? That is the network, the one that Coinbase says it accepts atoms and translates them to, to money, right? Um, to Bitcoin, <laughs> to, to the hard money, right? Um, that, that to me is like, I think the weird part. Um, so like the only thing like this black box of like proof of stake mass needs to do is to make sure that like, once you're connected that you don't get fooled into disconnecting like locally, right? Like your failures are not like local to you. Like if the whole thing halts, who cares, right? Like we can reboot it. Yep. Yeah. As long as at the end of the day, once you reboot it, it's the same thing that Coinbase points to after you've rebooted it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's fascinating. And like we spend all this time, but you know, like you said, you took an engineering approach. Like I still think that that stuff, like you couldn't have these things without the engineering. Um, Yeah. You know, like the thing I love what you guys did that's interesting is you're like, you took the hardware based approach, which is a bit unique. Um, Like you're like, how much can we stretch the things that we have? available to us on like consumer grade hardware like nothing insane but like we're not just like signing a block every six seconds right well have you seen like the latest nvidia rtx 3090 it has no. ten thousand four hundred and ninety six <laughs> cores oh my god <laughs> this is a gamer this is a card for gamers right so I, I did like a back of the envelope calculation. In August, Ethereum fees were about $150 million. 10,000 of these cards would cost $15 million. So we could, <laughs> they could have started a DAO, right? Yeah. Everybody deposits their fees into this DAO, sends every 10,000 full nodes, one of these cards, right? And cuts the rest of the fees out. <laughs> Dude, the... The, the fees right now are really um, frustrating. Um, you know, like it's good, it's good for me because I'm like, hey, <laughs> yeah, these are bad. I'm like, yep. <laughs> I'm like considering messaging like layer two people that we support and being like, hey, have you thought about you know something else? Because like we're looking at the prices of um, that. What, you just use live peer. Like we run live peer orchestrators. And every day, like they have a small job to do that costs a little bit of gas that normally like costs like 50 cents, a dollar, maybe $2 a day. The last like few have been like $80 or $70 or so like that's like thousands of dollars a month, potentially, Um, you know, like which is more than the infrastructure itself costs to run. Um, So you have to, I I mean, you see like the wallets have started, stopped paying for gas and we yeah so anyways this is like a bit of a hot topic at our company right now which is like what are we supposed to do because we we don't charge for gas because it's like negligible um and so we have all these contracts and people don't think about it um i I guess now this is like what would it take you guys to migrate those contracts to a different chain well that's the question for the layer two founders because we're not the ones that build the contracts like and and that's the social consensus like what which which new cipher is the real new cipher? Which live peer is the real live peer? It's probably the one that like still the founding teams decide is 
Um, I don't know what it would take them, the, the high profile projects to move, but personally, from like a selfish perspective, I do some participation separate from our company. And with the gas prices where they are, like I have to even second guess whether I'm going to do some of this stuff. What do you mean? Like you're going to have to. Like, like New Cypher is doing work lock right now, which is really cool. And you put an ETH and then eventually you have to run a node against that ETH to do the work. And then you slowly unlock your ETH and then you get New Cypher tokens in exchange for actually doing the re-encryptions. So it, it becomes a question of like, how much money do you have to put into this to make it worth spending the gas? And like, I'm, I don't have that much money to do, like to justify ten, twenty thousand $20,000 in gas prices over six months or a year. And maybe like the gas prices go down, but that's, you know, we're in this crazed moment and yeah. So yeah, for you, it's great. Like everybody must be thinking about this this week, last week. Yeah. Is this like, I mean, like I, I always see like the, like the stuff that doesn't seem useful causing the most congestion on Ethereum. Like, I don't want to, like, actually, like, I think CryptoKitties is, like, a useful thing, right? Like, it was a meme, and the memes are awesome. But, like, mm -hmm. and <laughs> I think they, like, create, a, like, a lot of value for just being funny, right? Like, I think that, but, like, stuff that is, like, even before the, the veggie tokens, there was just a bunch of, like, Ponzi schemes <laughs> that would, like, increase gas, right? You can almost see this coming. <laughs> yeah, those were... Those were frustrating, but they were so small compared to what's happening yeah. right now. You know, like those would be like a day or two would go by and the, the fees would be higher than you'd like, like 50 guay. And now they're like in the hundreds of guay. And it's like, you know, I don't, I play around a little bit with the DeFi stuff just because like I like to investigate what's going on. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, I'm sure, I think there's some value being created, but like the constant forking, and then moving to a new one and then re-leveraging over and over and over is a bit, it makes the whole network like hard to use for anything else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think like, so the useful part I think of, of like the recent rush was discovering like how valuable is that social consensus. Cause now you like, on top of this like proof of work thing, people have built just a governance contract. Literally, it's just like, Here's a contract that decides how a group of people makes an arbitrary decision. <laughs> it, it's cool. Like it's it doesn't cool. do anything else, right? It, it like doesn't solve a hard cryptographic problem. It doesn't like, it's just like, can we create value by coordinating a large number of people anonymously? And if enough people care about those decisions, it has a tremendous amount of value, kind of regardless of what they are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the other thing that it's taught us, which is cool, because everybody's always said it, is that more Bitcoin on any network is very good for that network. Yeah. Um, you know, for you guys, like getting some trustless or I guess trusted Bitcoin. We have some Bitcoin on, on, on Solana already. That's right. With um, Serum, right? Yeah. 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 yeah you can trade it. <laughs> That's crazy. How's that launch been going? I feel like I've been kind of following from the sidelines. Yeah, this is like maybe as like a 
founder, you probably understand this, that like we went from just talking to them and like kind of mind melting with them about like the vision to a product launch in like a demo in four weeks and a product live in six. Like yeah, a, that's I think, insane. I think I think that's never been done before, right? This wasn't like mm. let's let's copy and paste some stuff and, and replicate it. This was like brand new brand new design, brand new network. They knew nothing about how to build in Solana. Um and just like th this is like I think like the difference. I, I don't know if you can take this and replicate it with like these like social consensus networks. Because there's like a particular set of small group of individuals that are just like, this is what we need to build and we'll build it as fast as we can. Yep. I mean that, yeah, you definitely can't replicate that with a large distributed group. Like there's good things about distributed groups, but it's definitely not speed um, or clarity. You know, the more decentralized any of the networks and you guys, I imagine at some point we'll go through something similar, but um, you know, like the protocol teams all start small and focused and they get something out they launch it and then they iterate a little bit. And then it starts to be like, okay, how can we divide this into a few groups or, you know, it happened with Tendermint, right? Like a little maybe um, dramatically, but like a lot of those things, there's a bunch of companies and now they're all working on different things. And Ethereum is the obvious, like huge example of these many, many, parties working through a foundation that's coordinating um, and the work they do is great but it is like a little slower than just a single group of engineers and like product people in a room together so th this is like push it this is like what brings us to like i think the hardest problem for us and i think for the entire proof of stake space is um like i don't know if you ever looked at any like stake distribution graphs for like everyone, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, if you look like the top like five to eight nodes make up over 33% of the stake in every network. Um, and when, in my mind, like when people talk about decentralization, there's a lot of kind of like bullshit um, metrics. And the only one that matters is like how many independent actors does it take to censor the network, right? Yeah. Like on EOS, it's eight. By definition. Right? By definition. I mean, on Bitcoin, is it really more than two? Like the it's mining not. pools are so dominant that they could do whatever. That's the problem. Is like I don't. I, don't, I think both Bitcoin and Ethereum is, is even less decentralized than EOS. So eight is better than two, and in some of these proof of stake chains, at least it's halt but not take over at seven yeah. or eight how do we which is what to... it's an improvement um how do we get some more well th this is why i don't think there is like um economics or game theory solution to this it's more of like social consensus can we get like a DAO that is only purpose is to increase that number right yeah and i mean you know some of the foundations certainly try to do this by and you know maybe that's a different problem but like <laughs> you create a different problem with a central entity that's like picking and choosing but they do stake out to smaller validators that helps them to distribute their tokens um it you know as much as like we are a 
single company. Like our mission is to also increase the number of individual participants on a network. So, you know, we have a platform where people actually control the infrastructure that we run. And so we are not in charge of our customers' infrastructure. Um, we manage it with their permission and we ask them for all the things that we do to it if it's okay. And they can turn it off if they want. So that's just like today's solution. There's a huge road for us to basically get to like verifiable, provable ownership. But removing like, it's hard to run these things well. You know, that is part of the challenge. And so stake winds up distributing to the people who have the best setups technically, but also who have the best marketing and sales teams. Um, because it's this combination of, of reputation, technical ability, and resources to be able to be in the top seven or eight. And it, it plays out on every network the same. So what we're going to try to do is instead of having like people compete for the amount of stake that they get, I want them to compete for the right to distribute that stake as many nodes as they can so almost like start ranking the like we have this stupid bot called the stakeomatic and yeah. it, it's just like <laughs> i think right now it's basically random <laughs> it, it has it has the smarts of a random number right <laughs> um but like I mean, it's, I, I, like you guys should run one all the yeah, top yeah. validators should run one right and then like we see which one can actually like increase censorship resistance and like prevents bad actors on the network i think for us like we yeah we plan to offer uh no i would you know with the caveat that i have to talk to the rest of my team at some point but of course like i think we plan to add stakeomatic as part of our offering that our customers could choose whether they want to run it alongside their solana validator or not and we for ours will will definitely run one but there is no like there's no way for us to make it like proof of work where everyone is like does it because that's how they make more money like we have to like do it as like there's no solution to this right it's got to be like altruistic and we can like right now we can give grants but there isn't like a way to measure this and this is where i think like the like all the kind of like you try to like make this on-chain as on-chain governance it all falls apart right like there is no yeah. like way to do it without people just like clicking next <laughs> and like not giving yeah. a shit. And, and yeah, there's, there's always, in my opinion, like a technical workaround to anything that is trying to discourage this behavior. Um, yeah, you know, like correlated slashing is the, the hottest version of the things that are supposed to stop it, but you don't see it stopping. You know, you still see validators in Polkadot like running a ton of validators and they don't care and apparently the community doesn't care that much because they keep attracting more delegation <laughs> so it's, it, it's interesting to see like and nobody knows some of them like they could just all be in one data center somewhere for all for all i know um so yeah i agree but like can people be is that altruism even possible like is it not altruism but it's like long-term self-serving behavior that if you distribute the stake these things will be around longer yeah, I mean, but you have to like actually believe that, right? It's almost like becomes like, yeah, I take a little bit of gain now and lose in the long term returns. Yeah, I mean, and that's 
personally, I like to believe that, that like, if it all falls apart because people are super selfish now, then there'll be nothing, nothing left for us to work on or gain from in the, in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to go home. I don't know about you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what else to be working on. Um, no, this is like, I think like the almost, if this works, it's because like it's self-selecting for people that want it to work. Like that instead of like optimizing for, people selfishly extracting value out of proof of work, even though that bad security that we've kind of like found the right people to like kickstart this community. I know there's been some initiatives in Cosmos from some of the bigger validators to distribute stake amongst some of the smaller ones. Yeah, that was dokey after I talked to Oral, I was like, you guys got to split your stake. <laughs> and I think they got maybe some people to do it, but, you know, honestly, like, it's not that simple because there's regulation problems and, you know, there's a lot of people that take really conservative approaches to how they, who they stake with, how they stake, because regulatory gray areas make it so you need to, like, really be buttoned up. And so... I imagine there's at least some people who maybe would consider doing it, but can't, can't because they're like lawyers and CIO and those folks like, will just be like, no, like you're no fucking way. <laughs> but yeah, it is. I, I, maybe you just like from a, I wonder if that plays into stakeomatic, right? Cause can you run it if you're not really supposed to be delegating? Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that you guys do the whitelist. You guys built, you guys actually have to talk to the other people. And this yeah. is where, like, I think, like, because there's no, like, right, going back to this, like, how did Bitcoin solve this problem, right, is electricity. We don't have electricity, right? You got to, like, go actually see if this who this person is. Yeah. Like, we have to do the, it's really, like, you got to do the OFAC screening. Yeah. And then say, okay, <laughs> yeah. like, this person is not on a list somewhere, so we can delegate <laughs> to their node. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good point. I'll think about it. Do you guys think that um, the space will mature without this? Like, are we going to end up with like a network where it's still like, like the, like the multi-coin thesis that there's going to be some trillion dollar network, but that thing is going to have eight validators to make up 33%. Do you think that's possible? Like, can that exist? Or do, do we actually need to solve this problem to make that possible? I don't know that I believe there's going to be one trillion dollar network but if I, if i did it would be better if it wasn't eight people that can halt a trillion dollar network because it's just eight people that you can attack you know we talk about this fairly frequently um in like the libra context while it's like that project is moving and it, every member is meant to run one of these validators and like it's bft based and so, like, there's there needs to be a, the nice thing about it because there's no stake is if in theory you actually had a hundred members of that Libra Association and there was a hundred nodes, everybody gets an equal vote, and so you actually have thirty three people because it's proof of authority. There's no way yeah. to, um, and so then you have thirty three individual entities, um, thirty four that need to be attacked. Um, so, you know, I believe that in that model, it's definitely very possible to get more than eight. I think that it was interesting. But I, like, I kind of, that's kind of cool that you can force the, 
the equalization by getting rid of stakes. Yeah, you just need a lot of other stuff, which is yeah, a whole different problem. Um, yeah. But yeah, like with a treasury and all this other stuff backing it, like it is really cool. What if it was? What if uh, instead of like individual stakes, everybody had to build a single Schnorr signature? Then if you have like X amount of like stake, you would want to split it into as many different units because you're gonna get you don't gain any advantage. Yeah, but then can you you know like one of the problems continues to be like can you build a business that's worth running secure infrastructure on? Yeah, <laughs> and so like the rewards. The biggest validators, like, I don't, you know, I think that they do well enough, but, you know, they're not, they're making enough money to pay for their engineering operations. Like, it's not like it's some, like, they're not scamming the system. And the money recycles so that they can keep upgrading the nodes and making sure that their key systems are secure and all of that work. And if, like... There's a problem there because you don't want to inflate the supply by increasing the inflation because that doesn't help anybody, including them. But also, there has to be enough so that you could have like 60 very competent validators being paid. And and this is something that we saw at, at some point that like just a staking as a service business is a very hard business to be in um, because you potentially like run into a revenue wall very quickly. Like if the best you can do is two to 5% of each network that you run on, it's just like a medium sized business. Yeah. So what are you guys going to do next? I don't know. We're, we're an infrastructure <laughs> platform. <laughs> so we don't, our sticking as a service business is like the smallest part of our company. I would say, you know, we enable people to run infrastructure, which there is some nuance to how that could be viewed, like very similarly. Um, but ultimately, it's other people that would consider doing their own staking as a service company that come and, and use our platform. Or stake themselves. And stake themselves or attract stake as a brand. You know, there's different models and different types of customers that we service, but uh, we're able to scale more um, than that which means that we can like actually build a strong business. And I think there's a lot of, uh, there's also a lot of infrastructure that's like remaining to be built, which is where I think like a platform approach, you know, Solana RPC nodes is like gonna be a huge thing. And so who's gonna do the Infura for Solana? Who's gonna do the private query and transaction infrastructure? How are you gonna, who's gonna want the first Solana archival node and how many bajillions of terabytes is that gonna be? Um, it's actually not that much. It's been only like 900 gigabytes in this like six months with indexes. Not, yeah. No. So you can do like full full replays on that. We um, we dump it into Bigtable and starting to dump it into Arweave. Oh yeah, that's cool. I'm curious if like stuff that you guys are doing could be like tokenized as in itself. You should talk to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> like i can't i i'm like hey we're doing this thing he's like that could be a network and i'm like it could be a network um we <laughs> have honestly talked about it um there's a lot of stuff for us to build and there are some pieces like we do some really cool backup and restore infrastructure um 
that you could see being tokenized and built on top of like our weave or something like that, you know, would be hard, but it's not like a lot of the tech is out there. It would be putting a lot of pieces together. But yeah, if you really want to make my job harder, uh, which you just probably did when he listens to this. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> so I'm going to yeah. talk to Joe and see what. <laughs> but, you know, I think bridges are pretty cool, too. Like, I know, like, obviously, like, Keep is a really cool bridge that is an incentivized network that, like, we'll see how it develops long term. But at least in the short term, like, you get paid in this token and they have these collaterals and they have built an incentivized bridge. And, you know, you could see like the near stuff that they just did with those rainbow bridges. Like, could you build some incentive models around a system like that um, for some of the like sort of smart contract to smart contract protocols? Like, I think that there's some really, really interesting, yeah, like bridge layer two. I know like the IBC work is in that vein somewhat too. So, um, yeah, yeah, we could do it. We could do it. Yeah. I've been like um, thinking about this stuff too because there's um, there's basically like you have like something that is very easy to use like a centralized bridge effectively like WBTC right they yeah. just issue the BTC and then you have something that is very hard to implement like um, full IBC and that mm -hmm. full IBC spec is just the technical risks is so much higher than the reputation risk right now for WBTC. That, that's like the crazy part. It's like, you think this is trustless, it's better. Well, it's so complicated that, <laughs> that you don't trust the tech, right? Yeah. And it'll take like five years to work it out. Like who can understand it? Yeah. And I think the result is going to be like a mixed mix systems because the full spec is going to be slower. So, Anytime that you have like money and speed involved, somebody will like take risk to reduce latency and somebody will take that risk and make a yield out of it, right? Like an insurance. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. so it's the deck it's the DEXs and the high frequency traders of the bridge world. Yeah. I mean for oh, sure, right? right? Like yeah, yeah. if you have like ERC twenties and Ethereum and Serum that's trading them, people are gonna be like, okay. I have a pool of these things. I'll I'll give them to you in Serum as soon as you can deposit them to me in Ethereum. Like just sign the transaction in the mempool and I'll transfer it, right? And take that risk that it'll land. Yeah, yeah. And you just trust it. I yeah. I, I you know, I think the honestly the keep stuff is not insurmountably complicated. It is not super simple, but it leverages like a couple of concepts that a lot of people understand. But at the same time, like everybody uses WBTC and doesn't seem to care. Um, <laughs> I, I personally, you know, I, I've played around a little bit with some of them and like I am hesitant to maybe use like Ren BTC with too much money because I just don't know what's going on behind the scenes and I read the Twitter <laughs> arguments and I'm not like I don't have a real leg in this race. I just don't want to risk my tokens yeah. at least i know like bitgo probably knows the majority like they have a pretty good reputation with some of this stuff they've been all around for long enough so that that to me is like yeah that those kinds of failures could set the space back a bit if you have like 
fake decentralization that would yeah that isn't transparent enough like what happens if that one bitcoin address is wiped out because they fucked up their like key, <laughs> key generation like who knows like maybe they put it on a laptop and right. it was connected to the internet like you don't know like they're, they're not an institution it's like the the fake version is really probably worse like the in between yeah yeah because yeah a big loss like that would be devastating huh that's so it's me. got like <laughs> it, it all gets better man this is yes. why like got a bunch of smart people working on this day, day in day out um well cool i don't know is there anything like you want to plug the world about bison trails you guys are like one one of my favorite teams to work with just awesome all, all around people so like if you are gonna run infra use bison trails like if you either do it yourself go find the colo like nearby or or if that's too much work talk, talk to bison trails <laughs> yeah i appreciate that that's awesome um you guys are amazing also and have been great to work with for honestly you were um one of joe and i's first crypto meetings when we were getting into proof of stake and i remember like i don't know how we got the meeting with you but we walked into your like office and in san francisco and we just sat down and you described like proof of time and uh, like and we were it was way over our head at the time but you did a good job in in putting Sweet. it on our level and you were really like nice and, and welcoming so it's been since then it's been great and then uh I, I think I'm supposed to plug if I had the opportunity as my uh marketing team asked um that we are uh we're like powering the coinbase custody integration like our Solana validator will be in Coinbase custody and, avail uh, and available there. So that's pretty exciting. So if you use Coinbase custody and you want to stake Solana, we're, we're very available. And then probably on the back end, we should use the stakeomatic, right? Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll figure that out. That's still like yeah. basically people are experimenting with us in TDS. And like, I mean, like my vision to this is like, what if we do succeed and it is literally 10,000 machines that are equally staked around the world. I mean, yeah. And have you... That's like the, like, that is the internet right at that point. Like, you wouldn't, like, think about, like, I'm going to use the, like, I wouldn't even use AWS at that point. I would use this thing for everything unless it just couldn't run it. <laughs> Do you ever think about the consensus alternatives, like, mostly nominated proof of stake, where or, like, the... You know, Celo has their like the Honk method where it redistributes every epoch. And so, well, it doesn't necessarily incentivize different parties to run infrastructure. It does incentivize those parties to run multiple pieces of infrastructure and distribute them. And so you could, like Kusama is up to 600 validators or something, right? Like that's really cool. Like they're on the way to a thousand pretty quickly. Yeah, we're, we're like over... 400 on tds that's crazy. that's crazy like it's that that part is like i think the easy part it's like how do we force like stakeholders to split their stupid stakes <laughs> like, yeah i mean how do we get like the social group to like you know like yell at the the people that are not doing that like 
But this yeah. is where I think like all the stuff that seems foolish in DeFi, right? Like where it's just memes and people getting into this. I think there's like something there. Like the fact that you can get groups to make these kinds of decisions for the group um, that may be the only way that I think you can get a group to make a long-term altruistic decision for the group is through something like governance tokens, like a DeFi that, that is like, I don't know, DG, decentralized governance, right? Like decentralized community building, like, because individually everyone's going to just like, who has the smallest fee click next, right? Like, yeah. And you see that play out. It is, but do like, does that, I guess that extends to like, you put your stake into like a, staking pool that is ultimately controlled by this governing body who acts as a group to distribute it you guys should play with that that's kind of cool if there is censorship resistance the risks are like i think secondary instead of primary because as long as the network is currently censorship resistant you can kind of like adjust but as soon as you lose that like it's almost like you know the sun going like going out yeah <laughs> yeah 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 yes yeah, cool. if, if a small group of people can suddenly start to do stuff like that that would suck cool yeah it's great it's great to chat with you again it's been a while yeah yeah someday tornado plenty the elder yes that sounds nice yeah <laughs> i'll be in yeah, yeah. eventually yeah maybe next year <laughs> cool cool